Yves Goulant, coach of the French team, came out for a standing ovation and raised his fist to the crowd, which showed off his giant pink panther diamond, name of the movie and symbol of victory for the French team. It's this huge, I don't know, carrots, but like very large pink very diamond. Comically big, like ring pop sized is how I would describe it. Exactly. What I love about <laughs> the the use of the pink panther as the name of the diamond, like I know there's a whole thing with like the pink panther, like live action series with mm-hmm. Clouseau and then like the cartoon of the pink panther. I'm imagining like an American like soccer team is like competing in the Olympics or some shit and it's like ah yes the coach pulls out the Bugs Bunny diamond is basically <laughs> what this is <laughs> it's the Bugs Bunny diamond Hello and welcome to Movie Struck, a podcast about movies and the people who watch them. I got a little thrown off by my guest this episode and almost did the opening for a different podcast Q&A section. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'll take a moment to then transition easily and smoothly right into welcoming Blue from Overly Sarcastic Productions and the Overly Sarcastic Podcast uh, onto the pod. Welcome. Welcome to Movie Struck, Blue. <laughs> Hello. I'm so excited to be back. This is uh, this is always a treat. And since we... we I don't know how we got the idea for this episode or what conversation it came out mm-hmm. of, but as soon as we were like, oh, we can do a movie struck on this, it was like, oh, yeah, yes. we gotta, let's. <laughs> if I recall correctly, we were uh, at VidCon Baltimore having oh, breakfast yeah. with your father, and the topic of movies that we had seen recently came up, and... This one was in the running as one that I had recently watched with my boyfriend. And I I guess now is as good a time as any to transition into the first question of the podcast, the one I ask at the top of every show. Uh, Why did we watch the 2006 Pink Panther? Uh, Because we are classless and have no sense of humor. No, no, no. I think the inverse of that might be true based on my (laughs) enjoyment of this movie, I hope. Oh, yes. Uh, No, this is such a fun movie that I adore dearly. Um, I watched this movie a lot when I was younger and on trips, this was before the age of streaming, you had the DVDs that Mm -hmm, you had mm -hmm. and that was it. So whenever my dad and I would go on, you know, drives places, we had this little portable DVD player and one of the like 20 odd discs we had among Looney Tunes and other stuff was Pink Panther. And I don't know when the first time I watched this movie was. I don't know if I saw it in theaters. I may have only just gotten it on DVD. But I have watched this movie so many times. It was my go-to. I, at one point in my teenage years, could quote it front to back truly quote the whole thing in order uh, it's an incredibly quotable movie <laughs> it's so good so i i love it dearly i've seen it probably upwards of 30 times um with genuinely no exaggeration uh, mm. and i had not seen it in a very long time until a couple years back and i was like oh my god this does actually hold up and i've been meaning to go back like properly take another swing at it because i only saw like a couple clips uh, Mm -hmm. of it uh like in 2018 or 2019 um and now this is the perfect opportunity to talk about a truly hilarious movie that did not get the appreciation or recognition it deserved when it came out yeah, very similarly, I think I maybe saw this on DVD from like a blockbuster right around when it came out uh, as a kid. And I remember like very much like a dad's choice movie. We watched oh, yeah. it, but it didn't enter the permanent rotation. And re- fairly recently within the last year, my boyfriend was like, oh, I loved this movie as a kid. Let's watch it. And yeah. we did. And I was 
pleasantly surprised at how so genuinely good it held up and how very <laughs> funny it still was. And yeah. since then, it has there are a few quotes that have entered our relationship lexicon, as it were. Okay. Uh, Please <laughs> point out which this. ones they are, because I'm very I've, curious. I have at least one in the notes uh, okay, written in, good. but I think... Usually I try not to pass judgment on movies before we actually get to the meat of the episode, but I, I think it's pretty clear that both of us like this movie pretty well yes. at this point. So why don't we just jump on in and gush Let's. about it as we go? Yeah, and this is a famously maligned movie when it came yes. out. It was not beloved. I looked up the the awards on IMDb, uh, and I think it won like a comedy adaptation something from somewhere, but it mm. got nominated for a bunch of Razzies, which like just in general, fuck the Razzies. But this movie... <sighs> was very much not liked. It was in the shadow of the previous Pink Panther movie, mm-hmm. which in you know one regard is fundamentally impossible to beat. It's a classic. Everybody who you know grew up with that one is like, I will not accept a replacement. Um, but coming into this with like my only experience being this movie, I loved it to death. <laughs> and as someone who like loves, like I, I like to say the three S's were sort of my bread and butter for movies, movie types that uh, Sophia is really inclined to like. And it's like spies, space operas and superheroes. This is mm. spies. And yeah. I like it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we open France. I'm going to preemptively apologize for all of my pronunciation throughout the rest of this podcast. But also, that's kind of the joke of the movie. That so maybe I'm joke. justified. <laughs> um, we meet the chief uh, inspector Dreyfus as he is telling the camera that uh, he narrates our, our opening crime for us that he uh, first heard of this man, this Clouseau, uh, in reference to a police officer in a city far from Paris and that he is a village idiot of sorts. And we go to Steve Martin bumbling his way with confidence through the police work of small town France. Uh, <laughs> is this one the guy in the middle of the street or the murder of Pierre yes, Fouquet? Yes, so he rolls up to uh, a man who's got like a motorized wheelchair that has, you know, powered down or broken down in the middle of the street. And he's like, oh, how can I help you, sir? Um, I feel like we can't move past it too quickly. We do hear the first words and Steve Martin's just like incredible... <laughs> fake French accent uh, is idiot pull up. <laughs> <laughs> idiot pull up. Yeah, and that's after he puts the little blue um, police light on the top of the car yes. and then it swings off and fully KOs a granny. <laughs> <laughs> Running gag, things are falling out of his cars and KOing people left and right. I promise we will touch on some of the better ones. But uh, yeah, that that is going to be a consistent character choice throughout and it makes so many of the line deliveries that much better. I, yeah. Steve Martin is so funny in this movie. He's so good in this. He disappears into the role truly yeah. <laughs> truly you forget who you are watching because <laughs> it's not only like oh haha it's a bad french accent but it is mm-hmm. so internally consistent mm-hmm. like i would not be surprised if you worked with like a pronunciation coach because like the phonology is all the way through the same it's not like he's making up random sounds like the way that cluso speaks has a like solid basis that he is always <laughs> working within <laughs> It's, for the it, accent. It creates the character more so than like any costume choice like really ever yeah. could. Like this he is he is Inspector Clouseau because he sounds like that. Yeah. And that consistency is so important to that. Um but he approaches the old man stuck in his motorized wheelchair and he uh he's like, Ah, of course I see the problem and crosses some wires to fix it, uh mixing up positives and negatives, and sending the man just careening backwards. Uh this will start a long running trend of Clouseau helping people and sending them careening in different directions. Yeah. And then of course he turns around and is like, All right, keep it moving <laughs> as all the people are crowding around <laughs> to see this man who crashed off of a ledge down to a lower level. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, the chief inspector continues to talk about the many stories generated of Clouseau. We see a gag that I love of him busting in and accusing first a dog, then a baby, and then finally Pierre Fouquet of mer- murdering Pierre Fouquet. <laughs> Pierre Fouquet? The case is closed. <laughs> um, he never qualified for any advancement. One fateful day, uh, Dreyfus did find a use for Clouseau, and we then go to a a football stadium, soccer for all of our American listeners, uh, where France is playing China in a match to advance to the finals. And the chief inspector is there because of his recent nomination for the Medal of Honor, uh, an honor of which he'd been nominated for seven times, but never won. So they'll give but you still, one guess what his big motivation is. Seven nominations, that's <laughs> something. <laughs> uh, Yves Goulant, coach of the French team, came out for a standing ovation and raised his fist to the crowd, which showed off his giant pink panther diamond name of the movie and symbol of victory for the french team it's this huge i don't know carrots but like very large pink diamond comically big like ring pop sized is how i would describe it exactly what i love about (laughs) the the use of the pink panther as the name of the diamond like i know there's a whole thing with like the pink panther like live action series with Mm -hmm. clouseau and then like the cartoon of the pink panther i'm imagining like an american like soccer team is like competing in the Olympics or some shit and it's like ah yes the coach pulls out the Bugs Bunny diamond is basically (laughs) what this is (laughs) it's the Bugs Bunny diamond (laughs) Uh... (laughs) not to be confused with the uh, Daffy Duck opal or the Emler Fudd rubies you know Um, (laughs) that was one crazy tiara when they put all this together yeah also in the crowd is his girlfriend, Zania, who is Beyonce and is playing an international pop star, which raised to me the question of why did Beyonce not just play herself in this movie? <laughs> yeah. I know it, it's like, like they went through early... the effort to, to create a character whose like name is one name, like with Beyonce. She is a one-named this... international pop star. <laughs> yeah, so she fundamentally plays herself just by a different name. And this was, as far as I'm aware, my first, like exposure to the concept of like Beyonce. Yeah, this is pretty soon after Destiny <laughs> like going solo Destiny's Child, like before yeah. she really had her big, big hits. So um, I, as far as I'm concerned, this was her big break really. This is, this is Beyonce's <laughs> big break in many ways. And don't worry, audience, she does do an original song for the movie. And it's better than I thought it was gonna be. It's better honestly. than it has any right to be. It, it's pretty bondy and I'm into it. Um I wouldn't have changed her name, though, for the movie. If I was her, both her uh, agent and the writers of this film, I would have just been like, it's Beyonce. She's in our movie. It's Beyonce, yeah. Um, Gulant whispers something to his girlfriend, and they smooch in front of the stadium, and we see one player on the team is a little disgruntled by this. The... Uh, Score is tied, the game goes into sudden death overtime, and suddenly a miracle happens. One of the French players does a backflip kick and scores the winning goal. Everyone rushes the field, but as he celebrates, Goulant collapses dead. Uh, There's a poison dart in his neck, and the diamond is missing. (gasps) A theft and a murder. What a crime. Um, I do love the... uh, the drama around the bicycle kick in this sequence when i was young yeah. i was like oh that's so cool i want to know how to do that <laughs> <laughs> make it also cool. <laughs> when um when i was young and they have like the slow motion thing i could never tell what the soccer player was saying i think it's mm. it's uh it's bizu who does the dramatic uh, yeah. bicycle kick and i only realized this time i think he says basla like pass it and i I, I had no idea what he was saying for the longest time. I'm like, oh, he's just speaking French. He's just saying pass it. Okay, cool. That makes sense. Great, great. Yeah, in a weird way, French functions as a foreign language in this movie, uh, even yeah. though it does. It's ostensibly, it ostensibly takes place entirely in France. Yeah. 
They at least um, have the good manners to have all the characters have French accents, unlike yes. uh, some movies that came out this year taking place in France. Cough, cough, Napoleon. <laughs> different episode, different episode. <laughs> different episode, different episode, yeah. Uh, we go to the titles, the Pink Panther of Yore dances and does cartoon, cartoon hijinks with his Inspector Clouseau. Very cool that this was all like a 2D animated sequence. They were able to resist studio pressures to do 3D. Yeah, it's it's a very charming title sequence. 2D and so, so funny. The creativity yeah. in this sequence is genuinely astounding and probably more complex than most like comparable Looney Tunes bits. Because even though it's just, it's a blank room, and there's all this stuff with, like, the motion graphics on the credits being all these, like, physics objects in the scene. Genuinely so funny in all the different ways they managed to make the little cartoon Clouseau look like a doofus is yeah. so good. I My favorite one is the one where he, like, spins the gun around, puts it in his pants, and just, like, shoots himself, which is, like, <laughs> weirdly foreshadowing Clouseau electrocuting himself yeah. with the box. It's very, it, it primes you really well for the style of humor that they'll do yeah. with our live-action Clouseau, where, like, it is almost that cartoonish level of slapstick and situational comedy and you get a really nice little taste of it here with a very yeah. fun 2d animation it's, it's neat to see them play with the titles too you know he'll like set titles on fire and stuff like yeah. that this is always i love when movies do that i think it's very charming to play with your title sequence we all know it's breaking you know the suspension of disbelief so why don't you just have a little fun with it yeah um but we re-enter the film as a uh, glance murder presents an opportunity to dreyfus who thinks that It'll be helpful for them if they put a very incompetent officer on the case so that the media can watch as that officer bumbles through the investigation and gets nowhere. Meanwhile, Dreyfus and his real team of investigators will solve the case, find the diamond, and this uh, prestige will net him the Medal of Honor. And he knows just the man for the job. <laughs> Clouseau is summoned to Paris in his little electric car. What a perfect ride for this guy. <laughs> And smart cars were pretty new at this point in time, as I recall. Smart cars were new, and based on the one art teacher at my public high school who had one, were much maligned even in this era of the 2000s. Yeah. Um, he parks it, and as he does, he's pulling uh, up and back to Parallel Park, and with just like three times the amount of space as there is for his car, hits the bumpers of the two regular-sized cars on either side of him, and continues unperturbed. Uh, great gag already. Um, Until both bumpers fall off on the front and back <laughs> of the cars. Inside of the uh, headquarters, he greets the secretary, Nicole, as she is hanging up portraits. And they make some polite conversation, and he offers to help her down from the table. And though they try to be as above board in all their interactions as possible, oh it still God. looks rather scandalous when she's, like, sitting on his shoulders, and he's trying to, like, help her down from the table to a passerby. Yeah, and uh, she's, like, giggling maniacally because at this point he's, like, he's <laughs> failing to put it down. And this guy who walks in to try to, like, bring Clouseau in is like, I'm just gonna leave them to it. <laughs> but also the setup for this scene is hilarious because, uh, what was it, like the uh, some other character had a new portrait installed, but it was larger than Chief Inspector Dreyfus' yeah. picture, so he had a new one commissioned. God. They're incredibly <laughs> consistent about, like, how vain Dreyfus is. Like, yeah. you, get, you understand from his whole Medal of Honor spiel that his motivation is getting some sort of honor for himself, but, like, yeah. even in, like, the littler scenes, you still see moments of, like, no, 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 this man will go to extraordinary lengths to be very petty if he feels he's even being the slightest bit disrespected. Yeah. And I, not to begin me quoting the entire movie front to back, but when uh, Nicole says, ah, you see, Paris can be a very political place. And Clouseau says, ah, politics, where greed, where's the mask of morality? And she's like, that's good. Did you say Did that? You say and he that? just looks behind him like, 
Yes, I did. Because yes. he wouldn't even think. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it's not my quote. Like, oh, I mean, yeah, who? Are... There's so many things that he takes just like dead straight, literally. And I love that about his character. It's like yeah. later when it's like, do you know if the killer was a man or a woman? It's like, well, what else could it be? A kitten? <laughs> Uh, Clouseau is called in to see the chief inspector, and as he presents himself, his badge flies off out of its case and pins itself to the chief, starting a recurring bit of Clouseau injuring his scheming higher-up at every possible opportunity. Um, The chief starts to explain why he called him here when Clouseau starts talking loudly about the lovely weather they're having (laughs) and uh, karate chops the curtains and declares the area secure after his uh, totally nonchalant investigation. An important bit that will recur several times, so please do note it for With later. <laughs> plot relevance later. <laughs> <laughs> With that out of the way, the chief continues explaining that he's going to promote Clouseau to inspector and assigns him the murder and the theft of the Pink Panther diamond. The chief signs the paperwork, blah, 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 and quite literally his way through the spiel that he has to do about in honor of the state and all that. And he gives Clouseau his pen, though notably not as a gift, just to sign the paper. Uh, But when Clouseau returns the pen and the chief puts it in his pocket, it starts bleeding ink all over his white dress shirt. um, And though the chief doesn't notice, Clouseau does. So as the chief gives him the information about a press conference down the hall, Clouseau awkwardly tries to leave as nonchalantly as he can without saying anything about the pen. Though not before once, <laughs> though not before once more securing the area and ripping down some more curtains. Yeah, and it's not just that that Dreyfus says no, that's not a gift. Give it back. He says that is not a gift. It was given to me by the mayor of Paris. And Clouseau is like, <laughs> ah, yes, because it is so important. I cannot accept yes. it, even though he said that's not a gift. That that's not what makes Clouseau change his mind. <laughs> Uh, the chief is thrilled with his uh, bumbling idiot. He's like, he's God, perfect he's for this perfect. job. <laughs> At the press conference, Clouseau is introduced to the media and answers a few questions. Uh, as the chief also inside assigns a man to be his driver. So that's, they have like an inside man keeping tabs on Clouseau. Uh, Clouseau is sort of like small town bumbling his way through the questions. But people seem to be taking it pretty well. And he has a final message for the killer. Uh Killer, I will find you because I am a servant of the nation, because justice is justice, and because, and this is where I'm going to put the accent on, once is once. Once, yes. <laughs> and yeah, this causes the I whole room to you. erupt into an ovation, a cheer, uh, and even the chief seems a little surprised by like how well Clouseau is connecting with the people. <laughs> there's, there's something that I really only picked up on in this what? most recent viewing that I did not get when I was younger, which is the, the concept of the media frenzy. Yeah. It was like, oh, oh, I get the angle they're going on with this. I didn't really understand the whole deal with the media before, but it's like, oh, yeah. No, this is the the kind of thing the 24-hour news cycle would just eat up. <laughs> this is the kind of, like, because I wouldn't necessarily call this a kid's movie because there's a lot, like, but I do think it fell into the category of we're going to advertise. This is a this is a thing I, when I was on another past podcast talking about Speed Racer, I had very similar thoughts about that movie of like they didn't know how to advertise this because it's not really clear what market this is intended for because it's not really mm-hmm. for kids, but it's not really for adults either. Like the humor is a little too goofy to like yeah. solidly market as an adult comedy. Uh, and I think this falls into the same category a lot with the media frenzy stuff, which is kind of like a high level background plot and motivation like it's not necessarily something i would think about as a kid and there's a lot of jokes uh even with like the secretary earlier with nicole getting down from the table like that's a recurring joke there's one that i promise we're going to quote when we get to it later on that i'm very is very much like i did not know what that meant as a child yeah i I think that's why i think we're thinking of the same thing i think we're thinking of the same thing i um will 
I'll, I'll, I'll share a, a detail of one one eventful viewing uh, when, when we get to that scene later. Yeah. Uh, but the next day, Nicole is back and she shows Clouseau to his new office and he does the lovely weather routine once again, securing the area and breaking a lamp in the process. By cutting uh, a wire on a lamp! <laughs> I like when he does this too because he shocks himself a little bit and then when Nicole turns around he does like oh my hand silently <laughs> are you alright? of course I'm alright and what is that? Ah! he's like looking at his hands he turns yeah. around nothing yeah. Steve Martin's really good at the like two extremes of acting in the scene yes. like there's a lot of very good physical humor in this movie but a lot of it is made by his ability to on a dime switch from yes everything yeah. is fine to ah pain it's like um in the same way that jackie chan sells a lot of his physical comedy with the way mm -hmm. he reacts to getting hurt steve martin is also very good at that yes <laughs> less punching but equally as entertaining um i absolutely this is one of my favorite gags in the movie clouseau spins a globe which uh is this giant yes. metal orb it rolls off of the stand and then we follow it for a little bit as it goes down through hq off screen crushes a man's leg who yells ah my leg <laughs> Uh, it rolls across a bike race, causing a massive bicycle pileup. Uh, and then it just, we're done with the joke and it moves on. And I want to talk about this because one of the things I think this movie does better than just about any comedy is knowing exactly when it is funniest to end a joke. Like, yeah. okay, we've caused this huge bicycle crash. We could have lingered on that shot for a long time, but as soon as that ball is off of the screen, we just, the joke is over and we move on to the next piece of dialogue and it's yep. completely unrelated. And they do that yeah. a lot. They're like perfectly time leaving a gag. Uh, and I think that's yeah, what makes the, it so funny. <laughs> credit to the editing on this because a lot of the the shot timings are like precision engineered mm -hmm. to be as funny as possible in in concert with the performances themselves where like worse editing would have made a lot of this not funny. Yes. This movie is a nice tight like hour and a half if that yeah, like with titles and credits brisk. and it's but it's it never feels like it drags. Like it does feel not it's incredibly once. well paced. Um, yeah. Nicole offers to take Clouseau's measurements so that she can order him some new clothes. She takes his measurements for some new clothes and once again gets into a like, whoa, what have I just walked on situation when his new driver, uh, Gilbert Ponton, arrives, detective second class, and is like, whoa, what's going on in here? Um, Clouseau... What are your qualifications for police work? <laughs> yes. My family have been uh, in police work for many years. And before that, uh, 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 policemen in small towns all around France. And before that, farmers. <laughs> <laughs> they missed one. Uh, they came from all throughout Europe and were policing there. And before oh, that... Oh, that's right. In countries all across Europe. I, yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah. All involved in police work. And before that, farmers. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but uh, Clouseau vows hearing the last farmers to teach uh, Ponton everything he knows and together they are going to catch a killer. In the chief's office, the dream team, his real team of investigators, is reviewing the footage from the game and they land on his theory that the uh, Chinese VIP box is probably where the suspect was as the poison used in the dart that killed Luant was Chinese. Um he was in which includes the logical uh step the chinese are from china <laughs> yes it's like well Luant was in china for an exhibition game a few years ago so this all leads to you know the decision that the killer must have been one of the chinese members of the audience and he dispatches the agents accordingly yeah. um this is going i think this is more for the audience's benefit than anything else because we really don't see a lot of that team doing investigative work except for this one scene no. um and you know, pretty much everyone we meet will have some connection to Asia broadly. Yeah. <laughs> through every they, single possible suspect. It's a real, they, um, we'll see how it played out. Essentially, like, set up the concept of the investigation, and then it's brought up 
basically right before the climax of like mm-hmm. what that initial give me a dossier and everyone in that box go 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 uh comes to oh here's the guy we're gonna arrest who's the wrong guy um mm-hmm. so it's a nice bit of like we're just gonna set up that they're working on it in the background done yeah. next scene we're gonna seed a little idea of a direction that Cluso could maybe be going into our audience and then we're just not gonna talk about it so we can just let the investigation do its thing um at night, Clouseau is working late, going over crime scene photos, and Nicole asks why he's still there. He's got these comically large magnification goggles on, um, and Clouseau is like, oh, you know, this is my chance to prove myself. I can't fail, yada, yada, and Nicole offers to stay behind to help him, uh, and when Clouseau takes a moment to talk frankly about the delicate situation of office gender politics. No, uh, <laughs> n- one, one step before that, he's like, Nicole, may I be frank with you? She's like, yes. He looks up and says, you have put on a ton of weight. When I do it, I get a little heavy. And he takes off his glasses and he realizes, oh, oops, because he was looking at her through the magnifying glasses. <laughs> so she thought he uh, he thought she put on a ton of weight. Just like that yeah. one bit. He's like, you have put on a ton of weight. It's so funny. And then he's like, oh. Never mind. And then they, mind. they continue on to the yeah. bit about office gender politics. Yeah, he's like, oh, you know, I appreciate you offering to help, but any little thing can be taken out of context these days, yada, yada, yada. And then they're like, great, okay, we're all in agreement. Let's seal it with a kiss and a pat on the bum and then get back to work. It's so funny. It's so good. Because he lays out this whole thing of, like, you know, office gender politics, norms are changing, it's important that, you know, mm-hmm. we be careful because even the slightest thing can be misconstrued. And especially since it's late, I cannot let you stay here. I, I have to send you back. So we're agreed. Great. Mwah. Bat. Go. So funny. <laughs> uh, again, that's not really a joke for any of the kids in the audience, though. Like, I didn't laugh at that as a child. But as an adult, I'm like, that's very funny. That's a very funny joke that they've just done there. Yeah. It, and it's just, for a movie in the mid-2000s, way more self-aware than almost anything else oh, at yeah. that point in time was being to, to lampshade. Like, in a lot of these movies the protagonist gets their love interest by just like vaguely harassing them and then the love interest is like i guess you're nice and this movie is like no (laughs) yeah uh the next day clouseau and ponton are walking through paris as he explains the uh that he's going to periodically unexpectedly attack ponton in order to keep him sharp and on his feet and he goes to karate chop him and immediately gets punched as ponton is a very capable uh detective in his own right yes and again, I, I didn't note too many of them because they tend to be pretty quick moments, but this will happen periodically throughout the movie. Yeah. Um, and every time, Ponton will dodge it's, him It's a great way to just establish whenever they need a comedy beat, he'll just attack him, boom, yeah. good one. Uh, they do that uh-huh. later on after a, a somewhat, uh, not necessarily like dramatic, but after they have like a quieter scene, mm-hmm. um, turn off a light, good one. It's just, it's a nice <laughs> little bit that you can sprinkle out through the rest of the movie whenever you need it. Yeah. Uh, the duo arrive at a recording studio where Beyonce is uh, recording her single for the movie along with the orchestra. It is the song that she'll sing in full at the end, don't worry. Clouseau busts in while recording, and I love this gag because it's like, ah, do, do not enter when light is flashing. So he waits until the light flashes off as it's like blinking on and off to open the door as quickly as he can and get in before it turns on again. He busts in while the recording is happening, interrupts the orchestra, uh, but... Beyonce, who is in a recording booth, can't hear him as it's soundproofed as he tries to uh, interrogate her until uh, Roland, the sound engineer, arrives pissed off like you're interrupting our recording. What's going on? Uh, But Xenia, a.k.a. uh, Beyonce, calls off the dogs and talks with the inspector, who, in addition to being there to interrogate her, is a big fan of her work. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very funny where Ponton is actually trying to ask a question and he's like, stop browbeating her. Can't you see she's sexy? She's so, 
Because <laughs> like the 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 music producer is like, I have to go like mm-hmm. to another country to do this thing. He's like, you are not allowed to leave Paris. Um, and then Zanya's like, hey, inspector, I have something vague to do in New York. And Clouseau's like, oh, well, if you have something vague to do in New York, feel free to go as you wish. He's just such a bad <laughs> inspector because he lets her off the hook completely. Yeah. Imposing these arbitrary, super strict uh, restraints on other characters willy-nilly. <laughs> Um, also, there's a gag in here where he remembers that the booth is soundproofed and goes in and farts a bunch. And because the recording is not happening actively, the booth is actually not soundproof. And it does broadcast yeah. out of the speakers. And everyone just kind of stands there in silence as the gas sounds play. That one was was for the kids. I didn't find that myself was... laughing at that one when I watched it back. It's like, in my oh, okay, memory, yeah. he went in there and like screamed or something or cursed. And like that was very funny to me conceptually. But yeah, th- this is a fart joke. <laughs> I, I think you might be remembering from Get Smart where he does the cone of silence mm, yeah. to scream about getting that promotion. Probably. Yeah. Uh, Clouseau asks uh, Zanya about the uh, six hours before the murder where she had smacked Clouant and uh, said that she was going to kill him. And she's like, oh, I had caught him cheating, but I didn't actually kill him. I was just very, very mad at him. Um, And also she's like, ah, yes, I performed in China three months ago in Shanghai. And I'm like, great. Okay. So every single suspect is going to have some sort of connection to China. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Clouseau asks who else might have hated Gluant, and she names Bizu, the football star, uh, as she had been dating Bizu when she met Gluant, so she had left Gluant for him, or vice versa, left Bizu for Gluant. There's the whole don't leave town bit, and the detectives head to the stadium where uh, Kristen Chenoweth, whose character name I never got, but was Kristen Chenoweth every single time she was on screen <laughs> to me, uh, takes them to the assistant coach, assistant coach uh, Von Quer, I think it is. There's so many French names. I don't remember this guy's name. Um, he's not as important as he, you might think he would be from the moment that you meet him. And he's billed lower than you think he's going to be. <laughs> Laroc. No, wait, that's Raymond. That's the, that's Raymond the casino that's owner. The, that's the casino owner. Well, it's the assistant coach is who they're going to. <laughs> um, he's now the head coach as his boss had uh, been murdered previously. And they ask if he hated Gluant, and he's like, well, I wasn't a fan of him. Uh, but before Ponton can follow up on this, Clouseau shushes him and starts to describe the approaching footsteps that he's hearing. Uh, a woman, 30 to 35 years old, 5'2 or 5'3, wearing high heels in Chanel number no. 5. But when they turn the corner, it is not a woman of that description, but instead Yuri, the trainer, without even a small pair of pumps in his bag. <laughs> Do like you have pair of in that bag? No, not even a small pair of pumps. <laughs> He's Yuri, the trainer who trains. Um, Clouseau also tells him not to leave Europe, but Yuri's like, I have to go to Asia, so it's amended to do not leave Europe or Asia. And then he's like, but we also have one match that's in Brazil, so do not leave Europe or Asia or the Americas. Uh, Bizu is on the field, so they can't talk to him just yet. So they return to headquarters where they have brought Bizu with them to the interrogation room. They're going to give... Clouseau's like, I'm going to give him the good cop, bad cop routine. And Ponton's like, oh, okay, like, yeah, it makes okay, sense. Yeah, sure. But then Cluto rushes off and leaves Ponton alone. So he's like going to do what? both parts himself. <laughs> <laughs> he starts off with bad cop as Bizu's like, I'm happy that Cluant is dead. Uh, and though I would have loved to, I'm not the one who killed him. Uh, and after they get that information, Clouseau <laughs> leaves. <laughs> one, one line where it's like... Uh... I'm glad he's pushing up daisies. And Clouseau says he is not pushing up daisies. He is dead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bad cop Clouseau leaves and then good cop Clouseau enters and he offers Bizu a cigarette. And this cigarette. is one of the lines <laughs> me and my boyfriend quoted a lot because it's like, do you smoke? No? Good for you. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> 
<laughs> the demeanor it's completely so changes. Again, it's that like the thing that Steve Martin is great at in this movie of like changing the per- the performance on a dime, but like keeping yeah. that through consistent line of this is Clouseau and Clouseau has these two extremes within him. Inside, everyone is two Inspector Clouseau. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Clouseau asks who Bizu thinks might have done this, and Bizu puts forward Glant's restaurant business partner, uh, Raymond Larocque, the casino owner. Um, and good Clu- Clouseau leaves and comes back uh, as bad Clouseau, this time with a box. What she explains is uh, what they use on prisoners who don't cooperate. And he demonstrates this by attaching two little electrical doohickeys somewhere below the belt. And then off screen, we see Ponton watch outside the room as you just hear Clouseau shocking himself <laughs> and screaming. <laughs> it's really funny because, uh, you know, you know what we do with prisoners who don't cooperate? We hook him up to the box, and then Bizu is like, "What?" And Clouseau's, <laughs> "Idiot! It take one electric." He demonstrates it. He's like, "Ah, yes, you idiot! You don't understand the box. Let me demonstrate on myself." Yeah. And the best part in the next sequence is they're just—it cuts to them just like stone-faced walking down the stairs as smoke <laughs> is billowing out of Clouseau's pants. They let that smoke pack in uh, Steve Martin's pants just keep running for like the next three scenes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Clouseau and Gilbert leave. Er, Clouseau and Ponton leave, and in the car, Clouseau declares that Bizu is innocent, uh, though Ponton is less sure. And Clouseau opens his car door and a biker hits it and goes flying. And when he closes it, Clouseau turns to Ponton and asks if he said, ah. <laughs> uh, and of course, Ponton says no. And this becomes a recurring bit uh, where Clouseau will hear something yeah. due to his misadventures and, of course, not realize that it was his fault. And of um, course, after that, the biker stands up and shouts, imbecile. But then he gets hit by hit the globe by the that runs in from out screen. Earlier. I love yeah. that so much. Again, yeah. they know when to end a joke, but they also know when to bring it back. This, this movie has an incredible eye for what it, when it, something is funny. It works really well because you automatically have the association with uh, bicyclists getting mm-hmm. taken out by the globe. So the the gag is less jarring because it's, again, another bicyclist who gets hit. So it's a good way to, like, subtly set up mm-hmm. the bit again so it doesn't feel so. It's just a little bit of, like, you know, comedy engineering that makes yeah. it work really, really well. <laughs> Uh, at the stadium, Bizu is uh, in the showers of the locker room when he sees someone and does a classic murder mystery movie, Oh, It's You, before being promptly shot and killed, and is found by Kristen Chenoweth. Again, I'd never got her character's name, and it just is, every time I saw her, I'm like, that's Kristen Chenoweth. I know who that is. That is an actor. According to IMDb, it's Shelly, but... Shelly. Yeah. Close enough. Close uh, enough. <laughs> Clouseau returns to his apartment to find the door slightly ajar and gets his gun ready to investigate. But after he checks that there are bullets in it and closes it and holds it up, all the bullets fall out, uh, though he does not notice. So he's holding a completely unloaded gun. Again, incredibly funny. Um, And just as well, because he would have fucking shot Nicole in the next (laughs) sequence. Yeah, so Nicole is the one who's inside the apartment uh, with a bag of clothes. And she shuts the door as Clouseau is hanging from the top of it with his finger and leaves him dangling outside. Uh, And after a moment of yelling, again, exactly as much yelling and hijinks as we need to understand why the scene is funny, we hard cut to him icing his finger inside of the apartment as Nicole's like, oh, I let myself in to deliver your clothes from the tailor. Um, Clouseau tells her how this crime is forcing him to use all of his knowledge. And as he monologues, she asks if she can eat a uh, hard-boiled egg in the fridge and then starts choking on said hard-boiled egg. 
and he goes to give her the Heimlich, which is a very suggestive position for them to be in as Ponton walks in. Again, this is the continuation of the gag of them being caught in suspicious positions. Yeah. Uh, also, but- when he does Heimlich the egg out of her, it goes flying and it's a biker who drives into a stand, like a fruit stand, and explodes. That explodes. And you see the smoke cloud in the next shot from the apartment again. <laughs> and... Uh. <laughs> Not only is that funny, but then, again, like, playing up the uh, other people walking into what seems like Nicole and Clouseau having sex, mm-hmm. where Ponton walks in and Clouseau says, uh, you know, the look on your face told me that you really needed it. <laughs> Just like, oh my god, Clouseau. <laughs> uh, <laughs> A joke I did not get when I was younger. <laughs> no. Uh, Ponton tells Clouseau about Bizu's murder and they go to the stadium and as they're walking in they run into Yuri the trainer who trains asking for directions to the locker room and to the dead body and Yuri points them in the right way um, Clouseau has some like entertainment with Yuri oh you know what he asks where the dead body is and Yuri points them to the locker room this is important yeah, yeah. I um I, I realized in this scene, like, this guy looks familiar. Where do I know this actor from? So I looked it up, and it's the guy who plays Kittredge in the Mission Impossible movies. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta love it, you know? Everyone Henry needs Cerny. it. Um, Clouseau is uh, entertained by Yuri's strong Russian accent, uh, much to Yuri's confusion as, like, what do you, what are you, why is this so entertaining to you with just my accent? And Clouseau, you know, kind of a gag on Steve Martin's uh, over the top French accent for this is like, oh, you need to learn how to, like, hide your accent, how to speak normal. Um, Clouseau talks to Kristen Chenoweth, who is distraught, and she tells him that she heard Bizu say, oh, it's you, and then gunfire, and he lets her fall off of the bench but without comforting her as he turns to Ponton to tell him that he wants to investigate every person in Paris with the name you. Uh, God. Immense credit to Ponton is that he never, like, undermines Clouseau's wants or yeah. orders like he does I'm we'll like, see okay. in a later scene he has pulled the name of every person in paris Let's named go. you and, and rounded them all up like he he rolls with it and that's what makes him a good uh, kind of straight man of this duo yeah also in this sequence is um bonton did you notice that the body happens to <laughs> fall perfectly within the chalk outline on the floor i think they drew the chalk outline later ah we are dealing with some kind of mastermind <laughs> <laughs> Which was yes. very, very funny to me as a child. <laughs> it was pretty funny to me as a 20-something-year-old. Yeah. Uh, Clouseau and Ponton go to interrogate Raymond, the casino owner at his casino. Uh, and Clouseau sends Ponton to tell security that they want to speak to the owner while he follows the sounds of a man very loudly doing the same some weather we're having bit that Clouseau has done every time he's entered a room. Wait, is this before or after they interrogate the woman who's named you? This I think is that before. happens meet. Oh, it is before? Okay. This is before, cool, yeah. Cool. Gotcha. Um, uh, he tells the man that he is in law enforcement as well, and the man orders a mojito flamed, which is... This guy is going to introduce himself as Nigel Boswell, 006, uh, or as Clouseau would describe it, one short of the big time. <laughs> one short of the big time. <laughs> and I... This, and the look on his face is like, rude. <laughs> But such like a perfect James Bond parody, right? You know, 007, shaken, not stirred martinis. To have it be a mojito on fire. Yeah. I love it. I love everything about it. And Clouseau is very impressed with it as well. Um, But 006 says that he's here on an important case and that no one can know that he's here. And Clouseau gives him his phone number in case 006 needs help. And then they go their separate ways. Uh, 
Raymond is examining some fish in a tank when Ponton and Clouseau are brought into his very fancily decorated office with many real and fake antiques. Um, Raymond is pretty friendly as Clouseau asks to see his big brass bows. <laughs> bowls yeah. for the audience. Uh, and again, we get another Chinese connection as uh, Raymond's like, ah, or Clouseau's like, ah, yes, Han Dynasty vases that you've got here on, on this table. Uh, very Which, like, rare just antiques. to establish, those are absolutely not Han Dynasty no, vases. That was not like, glazed pottery in that style. That's very contemporary. They, that's, it, they're, they're so, so much newer. Um, yeah. Clouseau gets his hand stuck in the vase as he examines it, and then gets his other hand stuck in an identical vase as he examines that one. And while he struggles with these vases in the background throughout this entire interrogation, him and Ponton continue to ask Raymond about the uh, crime. Uh, Ponton asks why Raymond took out an insurance policy on Gluant, and he explains that, uh, you know, I took it out because he owes me so much money, and also, like, if the murderer isn't caught, the insurance company is not going to pay me anyway. Um, Clouseau hands in vases, causes, uh, he posits that um, Raymond would still have something to gain with Gluant's death, even if he didn't get the insurance money, because he would have his share of the restaurants they opened together. Uh, though Raymond's like, you don't know, these weren't, weren't profitable even a little bit to me. Like, I didn't make any money off of these. If anything, it was just a way for Gluant to continue to lose money to me in the casino. Um, and Raymond, Raymond's like, oh, Gluant's losses are so, so great that he had even promised his ring, the Pink Panther, to me as collateral. Um, and Clouseau accuses him of having words with Gluant on the night he was killed, uh, or the night before he was killed. But uh, even he like addresses this to Raymond's security guard, who's like, no, no, no. We, we didn't do this. <laughs> uh, and as he gestures, one of the vases goes flying off of his hands. Um, not before uh, his um, he puts his elbow on the edge of a piranha tank that starts <laughs> nipping at his, uh, at yeah. his suit uh, sleeve. <laughs> he also finds a sign in the room that says, beware, easy to get hand caught in vases. And he's like, ah, well, what is this doing over here? It's sort of been helpful earlier. I can certainly earlier. think of a better place for this. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not only like, did he put a sign up in the wrong spot, but that he would put a sign in his office that says that because like he should know it's his vases but also you know like every osha regulations written mm -hmm. in blood every sign tells a story clearly <laughs> it's not the first time this has happened no uh cluso's phone rings and he goes to take the call agreeing to meet someone at the restaurant and cluso goes to leave uh not before asking if the vase was real and of course it's one of the imitations so it's absolutely worthless so he bangs it onto a desk to shatter the vase and free his hand and he succeeds but in the process also shatters the desk which unfortunately was priceless yeah Clouseau meets up with 006 in the restaurant where 006 tells him that the gas mask bandits are in the casino and directly behind them in the window you can see uh, the gas mask bandits in action. Uh, and he sets about stopping them using a zip line to like zip across the room and then back up while putting on a gas mask himself and a big trench coat and uh, taking out all the bandits using a canister that like this had to have been film footage that was reversed but like inhales the gas into yeah, the canister. Yeah, it was really funny. Um, and after he gets back, having stopped the bandits, he gives Clouseau his outfit, uh, and he's like, remember, I was never here. And so everyone in the media who run both bursts in to take pictures is like, oh, it was Inspector Clouseau who stopped the gas mask bandits. Yeah. The chief arrives at work, where the media is hounding him with questions about Clouseau's latest triumph, and uh, he's frustrated by his bumbling inspector's apparent success. Um... Ponton goes to Clouseau's office with all of the people 
with the list of all the people in Paris named you and they cut to an interrogation of a woman and I do have some notes on this and I have two notes specifically and one of the notes I'm going to save till the scene comes back around at the end but one note sure, I will say yeah. right now is they keep saying that uh, she's talking she's speaking in Chinese uh, she's speaking Cantonese which is a dialect it's a little bit different it's spoken differently if read the same so this I wanted to flag it because when I had to relook up this clip on YouTube to double check what she was saying in the scene a lot of the comments oh. were like this is Cantonese I'm like I thought so <laughs> Uh, but she's, you know, saying some stuff that we'll circle back around to later. And Clouseau does uh, ask Ponton if he could read what she said back. Uh, but <laughs> Ponton back. is like at a <laughs> <What>? loss <laughs> because he can't speak uh, Chinese, something that Clouseau apparently does and is quite passionate about. He's like, I'm not going to go to lunch. Everyone's going to go to lunch and be like, oh, that Clouseau can't oh, speak, speak Chinese. Of course I speak Chinese. It's so funny. <laughs> Uh, the chief stops by Clouseau's office and seeing that Clouseau isn't there, closes the door and begins snooping when he hears Clouseau coming back and hides quickly. Clouseau, uh, entering his office, notices that the pen on his desk is slightly off and spots some shoes under his curtains. So when Nicole comes in, he does his whole, whoa, what weather we're having routine again and grabs a chair, which he uses to brutally beat the person behind the curtain. And when they take the curtain off, it is revealed to be the chief inspector. But Clouseau is like, ah. But this is a clever rubber mask and begins to try and peel the quote unquote mask off of his face. Yeah. But since it is really the inspector, uh, no dice in this regard. <laughs> Clouseau comes in it's, to apologize. Uh, yeah. Dreyfus gets really like Dreyfus gets whammied in this scene. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Clouseau comes to apologize later in the chief's office and gives him an update on the case. And in the process does accidentally injure him further with one of his uh, pointer sticks, like one of those like fold out oh, yeah. pointers that he like whips and hits the yeah, chief with. Whacks him in the side of the face after breaking uh, his Newton cradle too. Yeah. Each clear leading inexorably to the next and breaks everywhere. Shatters. Uh, the case is going well and Clouseau has a list of suspects 27,683 long. And of course he's eliminated one suspect, Gluant, who is Gluant. the victim. <laughs> um, but Gluant is the victim. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> uh, elsewhere, a committee meets to decide who to nominate for the Medal of Honor. Uh, the two that are the shoe-ins are Dreyfus, the uh, chief inspector, and Sister Marie Huguet, a nun who serves orphans that Dreyfus makes like, the most awkward, polite smile at to be like, oh, and this guy. And then rolls his eyes as she's getting <laughs> applause. <laughs> Uh, but in a twist, Clouseau is also thrown into consideration for his work with the gas mask bandits and for being like an average Frenchman, like a guy of the people. Yeah. And this this causes Dreyfus to turn around and chew out Ponton for not telling him about them going to the casino and redouble the like, you got to keep tabs on this guy for me uh, routine. Ponton meets up with Clouseau and asks how the investigation is going, and they go over the facts they have so far. Gluant was found with a poison dart in his neck as the game. This is the crime. Uh, Bizu wanted to kill him, but is himself now dead. This is a complication. Gluant was <laughs> siphoning off money from La Roque. This is a motive. Uh, and near the body was uh, Zania, who is innocent. <laughs> Um, but he wants to know more about her, so he wants to go question her, but she's left for her uh, vague business in New York City, so they have to follow her to America. And this is the scene that I think was in all of the trailers and most of the clips that I've seen from this movie since 2006, where Clouseau takes accent coaching lessons oh on, God, we yeah. see the iconic and much long but very funny scene of him struggling with the phrase, I would like to buy a hamburger 
I would like to buy an hamburger I, so much. I think this scene goes on a little too long Maybe in, in viewing back. This is the <laughs> one scene where it's like they knew what they had with this one because it is very funny, but it goes on a little too long. <laughs> I almost think it's funnier because it goes on a little too long because you get you really feel like you're stuck in this room. Like it's one of the weirder paced <laughs> portions of the movie, but like the longer that this coach and he are taking it seriously, I think the funnier that it gets. Yeah. It is it is a very fun moment um editing wise where you're you're stuck in hell for like a solid minute and a half um <laughs> and like the coach is like trying hamburger. to get him to say like hamburger and he says burger and then it just like smash cuts to New York with all this yeah. big explosive energy in the montage is like okay it's like a release and we're out um mm-hmm. it is well done in that regard but the scene is like this is a lot of people's scene that they remember of like, oh, the hamburger scene, which I feel like there are so many funnier bits in this movie yeah. that don't get the recognition, which is unfortunate that this hamburger scene kind of crowded them all out. But like, it is it is funny. It's not as funny as the other <laughs> stuff. I wish the other stuff got remembered a little more fondly. It's not our pick for bit of the movie, but no. it is still, it's funny. Um Ponton and Clouseau go to New York City and they do everything but blend in. They get hamburgers and despite his initial distrust, Clouseau finds himself enamored with the taste of said hamburger. Um, They check into their hotel and there's only one bed, so they have to have a little heart to heart before they crash for the night. Uh, Ponton reveals that he's married, but he doesn't wear a ring to protect his wife from any bad guys who might try and harm her and that he loves her very much. Uh, Clouseau, meanwhile, has no woman in his life as he couldn't be with anything sort of an extraordinary woman. Uh, And then they do, when the lights are out, they do their... Whap. Good one. Good one. Um, the next day, they go to Zanya's hotel and follow her as she goes to a uh, black market diamond dealer's using newspapers to hide to various successes of effect. Uh, Clouseau falls down some subway stairs. Very classic. Yeah. My greatest fear when I was living in New York. Zanya gets in an elevator and they go to follow her to floor 12. But before they can get back on uh, after her, they are approached by a bunch of goons who they fight their way through, or at the very least, Ponton does very successfully Ponton while Clouseau yeah. airboxes next to him. And then they head up to floor 12. There they find Zanya meeting with the jeweler who is cutting a pink diamond for her, though he claims it isn't the Pink Panther. And Zanya explains that she has a purse that she wants studded with diamonds to wear on stage during the presidential ball later. Um, that's why she's here at this jeweler's. Which also the the jewelers like oh those weren't my goons which means whose goons were they <laughs> they were just, those innocent were just men. some goons when they leave the building later we see them like loading up some guys into an ambulance on a yeah. stretcher and it's those guys yeah um, Clouseau asks again like the taking Zania very like warmly uh, of it all why she wouldn't just tell him she was coming and she explains that it would look bad for her to be at a diamond cutters after the Pink Panther diamond was stolen so recently. Uh, there's also a great bit where Clouseau answers the jeweler's phone and ends up signing up for a, like, phone plan promotion. Uh, he reads out the numbers very Frenchly, and then he reads his email out, which is drknockers at AOL.com. And somehow the <laughs> at AOL.com part makes that funnier than anything else. Yeah, that's the most embarrassing part of the whole thing. <laughs> it's also, like, the kind of humor that doesn't really play anymore because it's, it, it's a joke out of time, essentially, mm-hmm. with, like, the concept of phone plans like that being something you would sign up for is, is so alien nowadays. But it's like, oh, yeah, that is really funny. Is that many <laughs> minutes for free? <laughs> uh, Clouseau and Ponton walk Zanya out, and Clouseau uh, whispers to Ponton that he's going to seduce her to find out what time her plane is leaving in the morning. And Ponton's like, I think you could just ask her that. But before they can get too much into the argument of it all, uh, Zanya invites Clouseau to have dinner with her at the Waldorf in her room. Ooh. Uh, 
Clouseau heads to his yeah. dinner date and does his whole say, weather routine when uh, he gets into the what room. What was it? Um, yeah, what was it like? Say 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Say, I don't know, my room on the second floor? I don't know, my room on the second floor? <laughs> He's being so literal. <laughs> He's so literal. Um, he heads to his dinner date and does his whole uh, lovely weather we're having routine when he gets to Beyonce's room. And uh, as he lifts the rug, he finds a wire in the floor and cuts it. And this sends the hotel chandelier in the lobby below them oh, crashing God. down, <laughs> which is, I think, maybe one of my favorite yeah. jokes in the entire movie. Because again, you don't. We don't stay on the it's chandelier. So funny we don't need to see the after effects. They just let it crash just immediately. Gone. Cut back to the scene. It's perfect pacing for that joke. Yeah. Um, they have a romantic the, dinner. The thing that comes back every time with like Clouseau just having hilarious slapstick consequences for his actions is how the smallest thing like spinning a globe or cutting a wire can just ripple out into the world with huge physical slapstick yeah. impact. <laughs> Clouseau is like he's not out of place in the world because everything he does has so much immediate effect on the world around him and that yeah. is much as he is like a cartoon character come to life it still feels very like grounded in the world that the movie yeah. exists in which is hard to pull off. Um they have a romantic dinner, and Zanya reveals that she's been so elusive because she's afraid of Raymond, the casino owner. He said he'd kill anyone in possession of the Pink Panther, and she was in New York City to see a diamond cutter. That sort of thing might draw the wrong conclusions. And then uh, Clouseau and Zanya flirt a bunch, and like very much this scene is like, Clouseau and Beyonce are going to fuck. And like, that, that's yeah. the scene. There's no joke there. It just There's is. no joke. That's the setup was, to um... the punchlines that we'll see. I was watching this once at like a um, like a social night at my old like Taekwondo school, mm -hmm. uh, where it was like you know have all the kids in and you know put on a movie or whatever. And we got to this scene and the the instructors were like, "No, we're done." I'm like, <laughs> "What?" Because I didn't get it. I didn't right? understand the joke. Like this is not a joke that a child would understand. This is, I think, the scene that is the most evidence to me that this movie was not made to be a kids movie. It was made no. to be more of an all audiences comedy in the way that a lot of yeah. like 80s comedies were. Uh, which is something that has been difficult to market in the early 2000s. Again, Speed Racer fell victim to the very, very similar things, in my opinion. But um, yeah. to return to the Pink Panther, uh, uh, he's also drinking a flaming mojito during the scene, a little yes. nod to 006, which I think is a very cool thing for him to be doing. Like, look, he, he was enamored by this spy as well. Yeah. Like, he thought that was a cool move. Um, and he's very consciously trying to be cool in front of Zanya. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he brings his drink to the bathroom uh, as he goes to... And this is not a joke. Take a, and this is what Clouseau calls it, miracle pill for the middle-aged man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he has one pill in the whole bottle. One pill in the whole <laughs> bottle, and he immediately drops it right down the drain of the sink. Yep. God. Uh, and this, of course, sets off our sequence of misadventures that will happen throughout, where he tries to go get it from the pipes, but he breaks the pipes in the sink, so the room begins to flood, and then shoot water everywhere, and as he's trying to get the pill out, it flies out because he blows into the pipe and goes up in the air, lands in his drink, sends the fireball careening out from his flaming mojito, fire, the curtain catch on fire, so now the room is flooded from the bottom and on fire from the top. And as he's doing all of this, he also shocks himself with a hairdryer, which sets all the lights in the building flickering. Yeah. Uh, it's, I think, like, most of New York gets a blackout in that yeah. secret. No, that's, uh, in, no, that's, that's Paris. earlier in Paris. <laughs> Never mind. Later on, yeah. he will cause all of Paris to go into a blackout. Never but mind. For now. Okay, yeah. I couldn't be 100% sure, but I also think the hotel clerk was the Canadian guy from 30 Rock. But don't quote me on that one. He just looked very similar. They could just be very close-looking white men. Um, yeah. 
Zania opens the door to see the chaos as the floor uh, gives way and Clouseau falls into the lobby. Uh, everyone to bumble his way through things successfully. He regains his cool, demands fresh towels for 204, and dings the bell on dings the concierge desk. Yep. And we exit the scene. The joke is done. We can leave the scene. I think, again, yep. perfect timing. Um, Dreyfus makes a call demanding that Clouseau be stopped at the airport to prevent him from returning to France or make him look a little bit like a fool to one of his agents. Uh, so, oh no, something's a brewing. Um, at the airport, before they go through TSA checkpoint, Clouseau is being watched by a mysterious woman, uh, and when he stops to stuff his pockets with hamburgers to avoid the terrible airline food... Uh, <laughs> airline food is for suckouts. <laughs> <laughs> the woman switches his briefcase with hers. Um, Clouseau notes that he still thinks Anya is hiding something, and then goes to go through TSA, and uh, as he does, his bag is flagged for a hand check, and he kind of like wink, wink, nods, nods at Ponton because he thinks the only thing he's got on him is these uh, delicious illegal hamburgers. hamburgers. Yeah. Um, but as the security guard goes through his bag, it's revealed to be full of pro- progressively more comedic weapons. First, it's a pocket knife. Then it's a nunchuck. Then it's like just like a morning star. <laughs> the harmless pocket knife. The harmless pair of nunchucks. I don't even own a flail, <laughs> which means that he does own a pair of nunchucks. <laughs> Actually, no, he says I don't even own a mace because he calls it a mace. It's actually a flail, mm. um, but oh well. Uh, and then just so many weapons. Yeah, they turn the bag so out many. they dump it out. Just like it's a whole armory in there. Yeah. Uh, Clouseau realizes none of this is his and he tries to deny that the bag is his and everything in it. And as they uh, are getting more and more frustrated with him is the universal TSA experience. Uh, the agents call over their dog, Jimbo, who smells the hamburgers in his pockets and... Clouseau, after his tensions rise, is trying to admit that he has hamburgers in his pockets. But of course, as we know, he can't say the word hamburger. And uh, as the stakes get higher and higher, um, the scene escalates. The media who's there to see Zanya notices him and they catch a photo of him in the most embarrassing pose as the dog bites his pockets and he is uh, arrested. And we see headlines announcing that Clouseau has brought shame to France. Yeah, there is... um... There is an alternate version of this sequence that was on the DVD that I had in my abundant time of, of driving uh, uh, to and from places with my dad when I was watching this. <laughs> there, there's another version where instead of getting arrested at the airport, he's on the plane ride back and he has like the lowest class seat on the plane in the very back so there's like first class and like regular and then there's a back where it's like a wooden stool with a string that's his seat and he has this like this awful like fish something that makes him sick so he's like running through all of the bathrooms trying to find one and he gets to the front and he says if I don't find a bathroom I'm going to blow up because he's like he's got indigestion his poor tummy and then he's arrested for a bomb threat on a plane (laughs) (laughs) so there's another version of that scene that is also very funny not as good as the one that we ended up getting in the film Clouseau has returned to headquarters and Dreyfus is thrilled with the outcome of his little scheme. He gleefully tells Clouseau that he's going to strip him of his rank and that Dreyfus is going to take over the case of the Pink Panther and the murder of Gluant. Um, Everyone else is sent from the room except for Ponton and Dreyfus as Dreyfus reveals that the only reason Clouseau was made inspector is because he thought he was the stupidest policeman in all of France and his bumbling would allow Dreyfus to work on the case in peace. Clouseau looks sadly to Ponton, who knew all along, and Ponton says nothing, just looks down in shame. Uh, This is our darkest hour for the film, as it were. (laughs) Uh, 
Clouseau returns home, apologizing for making Ponton look foolish, but Ponton just says it was an honor serving under him, and they do a little, like, less zealous fake version of uh, Clouseau pretends to karate chop his shoulder, and Ponton punches his shoulder. And it's very like, sweet. Yeah, very sweet little callback to their recurring bit. They've yeah. become real friends, and again, like, the thing that I think makes Ponton really great in this, and, like, the perfect compliment to Clouseau, is that he does never, like, despite being the character that is the betrayal by his very existence, he's never disrespectful to him. He doesn't dislike the man on principle. He might be confused no. by his methods at times, but he always does what he's told in regards to them. And there's clearly a lot of respect between them, even if yeah. one is a kind of bumbling and the other is the straight man of the relationship. I wouldn't say that Clouseau was only ever nice to him because he did insult his entire family lineage, but <laughs> Clouseau only wanted the best for Ponton, and yeah. I think Ponton understood that. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a care there. Um, later, Clouseau is on the internet to try and download a cell phone ringtone. Uh, again, another line I love, I take the moose, I click, but do not drag the button that says download. <laughs> but do not drag. Yeah, do that was drag. funny. I take the moose. I think about that every day. Um, <laughs> take the moose. Take the moose. In doing so, he does cause a power outage to Ella Paris as he downloads a computer virus. <laughs> That's what it is. That's right. He downloads a virus. You see the lights in the Eiffel Tower go out. It's very funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the next morning, Dreyfus and his team go over their version of the crime, and this is our return to someone was actually working on the case yep. in the background the whole time. Uh, they decide that it was committed by a Dr. Li Hao Pang, who was in the box when Gulant was murdered, and they and used to send Gulant large sums of money to be invested, but because of Gulant's gambling habits, he gambled it all away and lost all of uh, Dr. Pang's money. This motive we want, like, casually, like, sanctions busting or something? What's, right? uh, what's up with that? There's a lot more unexplored in that. Like, they There's definitely a crime can get... happening. It's just completely unrelated to the crime of the movie. Yeah, like, they can definitely get Dr. Pang on something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the doctor is in France for the president's ball tonight, where they... Uh, are, everyone seems to be conveniently uh, converging, and they decide to arrest him there. Clouseau sees Dreyfus on TV announcing that he's officially taking over the Pink Panther investigation and that an arrest is imminent. And uh, one of the media members in the crowd notes that Bizu was shot with one perfect shot to the occipital lobe. And this makes Clouseau pause for a moment, though Dreyfus immediately dismisses it as irrelevant uh, on TV. Yeah. Again, Clouseau's goes on to something. Uh, he goes. He has to, encyclopedic knowledge of weird things. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's not incompetent because he doesn't know how to do police work or like what the laws of France and other countries are. He's incompetent because he keeps having physical humor happen to him in the background, <laughs> and I think that's an important distinction because it lets him yeah. have the ability to solve a mystery even if he's going to kind of bumble his way through it a little yeah. bit. The way that the universe is coded, if it would be funnier for him to fail at any given thing, he fails. Yes. <laughs> but he gets, like, none of the interrogations he's done so far has he not gotten someone to give him the answer he needed. Like, yeah. when he asks a question, he, like, he gets an answer. He makes um, the soccer player, Bizu like, sing like a bird. Yeah. <laughs> Bizu tells him everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Clouseau turns to the internet, his old friend, and notices on the homepage the photo of him at the airport. And we don't see what he's looking at, but he zooms and enhances on something mysterious. Zoom. And then <laughs> uh, something in his brain clicks. And he first calls Ponton to tell him that they're back on the case. And then he calls Nicole uh, to say that he thinks Gallant and Bizou were killed by the same person and that that person is going to strike again tonight. So he needs her to meet him at the presidential palace and to bring his bag marked presidential palace. Sonia is in grave danger. <laughs> We're approaching maybe one gives, of my favorite gags of the movie. He gives all of this information to Nicole, 
and just tells Ponton, we're back on the case. <laughs> Click. <laughs> Ponton's like, yeah. what am I going to do? Apparently he's going to rush outside because Clouseau heads down from his apartment and immediately Ponton is out there with the car. So they were True, yeah. Maybe he never left, you know? Uh, meanwhile, Dreyfus is checking Clouseau's name off of the guest list so he can't just walk into the gala. Uh, as Clouseau and Ponton arrive that night. Uh, it is very funny. He's so gleefully mean about it. He's like, yeah. oh, no, we have to check that off. He has been humiliated. And he's just like beaming smile when he says it. <laughs> uh, Clouseau and Ponton drive. Clouseau and Ponton drive uh, into the palace at night. And Clouseau tries to check in. But his name is, of course, not on the list. And at this point, Clouseau spots Nicole off around the side of the building. And they rush off over to the bushes uh, where she's waiting with the bag and a fancy dress. Um they hand off the bag. A very opulent dress. Yes. Well, she's there for the party. Add. Everyone's there for the gala. Yeah. Um, she hands in the bag full of, as he describes it, disguises. And then Clouseau takes an opportunity to tell Nicole that she looks beautiful without her glasses. Uh, and she thanks him. But then when he runs off with her glasses, she can't see. So she's left stumbling about and bumps see. into a tree. <laughs> Which I love the way they just take apart a, a small handful of these kinds of tropes. Where it's like, oh, there's a the whole thing of, like, the office gender politics scene earlier, which is just so goddamn funny. Mm-hmm. And then this one, which is like, it is evening and you look beautiful with such glasses in the moonlight. But then she can't see! <laughs> it's so simple. And, like, you almost think they're playing it straight. But then Nicole's eyes squint as she tries to see anything. And it's like, oh, yeah, because that is exactly what would happen. She can't <laughs> see, you asshole. <laughs> it's uh, so funny. Inside of the palace, the party is in full swing. Dreyfus tells his security guards to arrest Clouseau if they see him and uh, begins to move in on Dr. Pong, planning to arrest him after the first song is over. And uh, Beyonce on stage is singing her song for the movie, A Woman Like Me. And it is just a straight up Beyonce musical number in the background for most of this scene. It's a good song. It's a great song. Uh, It's very like James Bond. It's kind of what I as a child would think like a Bond song would be like. It's a little bit like slinky, but like. It's got those big horn sections coming yeah, in. Trumpet bombast yeah. kind of vibe, yeah. Uh, as Clouseau and Ponton use their camouflage to blend into the drapes of the palace, which is, this so might be my favorite funny. joke of the movie. They've got a two-sided yeah. like bodysuit on, and the front is one of the patterns of the wall, and the back is the other pattern, so they have to like pancake flip themselves along the wall <laughs> as they go. But that he had that bag prepared specifically. <laughs> <laughs> They make it to the second floor unspotted and see the killer rushing to the roof and they go to change their outfits when suddenly they're caught by one of the security guards and he's like, who are you? Why are you here? And though they stumble to try and think of a reason, um, Nicole comes to their rescue and claims that they are Zania's backup dancers and the man's like, we'll prove it and they have to do a little dance and the sequence, like, the amount of times that they cut uh, to, like, smash cut to different dances in this sequence makes me think they must have done hours of this on set. Probably (laughs) hours, hours, yeah. (laughs) Steve Martin and Jean Renault were just jamming on set and it's it's funny, it's charming. There's so many takes of it. Yeah. And they're in the, like, bodysuit still. It's, It's great. Yeah, it's very funny. And again, the thought that, like, Clouseau has other bags for other famous places in <laughs> France yeah. with custom body suits for him and Ponton of wall decorations and famous French landmarks. They redecorate <laughs> and his bag is moot. <laughs> like, yeah. It works He's got, like, a, a Louvre bag for whatever the drapes in the Louvre are are done up for that season (laughs) it's incredible um 
The guard buys their dance routine and Nicole sends him off to go get some water for the two of them, giving Clouseau and Ponton an opportunity to change and run after the killer. And Clouseau, though he hesitates at first, does come back and give her a big old smooch before running off to catch the killer. Because she is an extraordinary woman, as described in their uh, speecher scene earlier. The killer is on the roof, taking aim at Zania, when Ponton and Clouseau catch up and chase the killer through the palace, all three in nearly identical black bodysuits now. Yep. Um, the song comes to an end, Zania's alive, and Dreyfus begins moving in for the arrest of Dr. Pong, but as he makes his big speech, uh, Cousteau uh, appears along with the other two on the railing, and they're chasing him down, and they're like, Dreyfus is like, you gotta stop Clouseau, and they're like, which one is it? And then one of them falls over the side of the railing, and it's like, ah, that one. That would be him. Um, <laughs> but uh, immediately afterwards, he does catch the killer. Uh, Clouseau manages to snag him and unmask him, and reveals the one who done it was Yuri, the trainer who trains. The da, da, da. Da, da, da. the media attention is immediately on Clouseau and not Dreyfus, as Yuri uh, immediately gives up the game and admits to being the killer. Mad that Gluant always took the credit for his genius plays and helping of the players. Um, Ponton asks Clouseau what it was that made it think it was Yuri, and Clouseau reveals that the woman you, who they interrogated earlier, had told him that according to statute 87223, every trainer of the national soccer team must have knowledge of Chinese herbs, and basically gave the whole thing away in that scene. I would like to note that that is not what she was saying in Cantonese during that scene. She was like, <laughs> why did you arrest me in the middle of the night? Like, what's, what are you doing? Why would you bring me here? Very angry, general ranting. Um got it but very funny nonetheless to flash back to that uh bizu was blackmailing yuri which is why he was killed as bizu knew that uh yuri was the one who had killed gallant and uh dreyfus tries to kind of take control of the situation back as the media is clearly enamored with Cousteau in this moment and taking some attention away from him uh and he's like, well, such an accurate shot couldn't have been done by a mere trainer. But Clouseau reminds him of Russian, armor and sta- Russian Army Statute 611. All members must be expert marksmen and understand the location of the occipital lobe. Uh... So funny. <laughs> and Zania is still alive as uh, he was trying to kill her because she had gone with Bizu and Gallant, but never with him. And he was jealous of their relationship. So everyone was someone who had wronged Yuri in some way. Um, yeah. Clouseau then takes, again, another joke that I love. Clouseau describes a woman as an artichoke. You have to do a bit of work before you get to her heart. And Nicole, like, faints. Fully faints. But just that's such a good line. And you can watch, you watch Steve Martin, like, perfectly stumble through Clouseau in real time coming up with this metaphor. (laughs) It's incredible. (laughs) Um... A reporter asks about the Pink Panther diamond. Is it still missing? And Dreyfus tries to take credit for uh, Clouseau's big solve and get Yuri to hand over the diamond. But Yuri's like, I don't have it, you idiot. Uh, and Clouseau reveals that the diamond is not, He's in like, fact, yeah, with the Of course Yuri doesn't have it. <laughs> yeah, right. What would Yuri want with the diamond? Um, Clouseau points to Zanya and reveals that it is in her purse. And Dreyfus goes to turn it out and finds nothing. But then Clouseau uses his tiny, tiny multi-tool scissors to cut carefully through the lining and reveal the diamond hidden inside. Um... Zanya explains that Gallant had asked her to marry him and given her the diamond right before he was murdered, and she was worried that if she came forward with the ring, everyone would think that she was the one who had killed him and stolen it. Clouseau declares that if Gallant had given her the ring before he died, then according to French law, it's hers to keep. Uh, very convenient. <laughs> very convenient. I. It feels a little bit like when they say The Rock can't be the bad guy in movies anymore. I'm like, well, you had Beyonce in this. I feel like you couldn't have made Beyonce a villain in any way i know it's a little early in her career for that to be like the baseline but still yeah a little bit that's what it came off like i am impressed 
that Clouseau has such encyclopedic knowledge of basically all French laws and some Russian ones, too. <laughs> I don't know if he looked it up after Yuri came into the scope of the case or if he just knew that mm-hmm. all Russian military members must be expert marksmen of the occipital lobe. I don't know which one's funnier. <laughs> Uh, Ponton asks how he knew that she had the diamond, and Clouseau explains that when he looked at the photo of himself in the airport online, he saw in the scanner of her bag going through the airport, uh, the Pink Panther diamond was inside on the screen. Um, Clouseau declares the case closed and receives a huge ovation as Dreyfus holds back his uh, immense anger at basically being (laughs) one-upped in his own schemes. Visceral Um, rage. Later, Clouseau wins the Medal of Honor to Dreyfus's continual dismay. Uh, and as he gets in the car with Ponton to drive off, uh, we get the return of the, you didn't say, stop the car, dear God, I beg of you, stop the car, no, no, <laughs> gag as dr- he and uh, Ponton pull away, dragging Dreyfus behind them in the vehicle. <laughs> By his uh, gently tucked little coattail. That is definitely not enough to actually drag him all that way, but it's really funny to see it happen anyway. (laughs) Later in the hospital, Dreyfus is all laid up as Clouseau asks if it hurts and continues to bumble his way, only further injuring his superior through trying to work a hospital bed. Uh, And eventually he kind of goes to the side to pull Nicole and Ponton off to talk about how they should be nice to Dreyfus while he's so injured and he clicks the safety lock on the bed. kneeing him in the balls at one point, (laughs) and Dreyfus is definitely trying to say fuck you through the gauze but can't. (laughs) Eventually, with the locks undone on his hospital bed, Dreyfus begins to roll away behind our trio without anyone even noticing. Uh, Down some stairs, through the whole hospital, picking up speed, going out a window, flying into the Seine, cursing uh, Clouseau, who's just like, this is going to hurt. (laughs) He's fully dead after that. He's gotta be, right? Uh, But we don't see the aftermath. He's like, every other gag in this movie, as soon as it is appropriately over, the movie ends. Uh, credits, Beyonce's song, a little bit of the Pink Panther theme, and that's the that's the easy breezy that's ride that is the Pink Panther 2006. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> this movie is so funny at every single turn. Every scene has like three individual really good bits to it. And I am shocked that it isn't more loved than it is because when I watch this movie, like sometimes there's a movie where it's like, oh, you know, well, this is bad, but it's a guilty pleasure and I like it anyway. Like, no, this movie is to me genuinely so funny, so smart, so well done. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills because I like you and me are the only ones who see this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised at how this hasn't had sort of like a second renaissance of sorts in the way that a lot of movies from the early 2000s have. I think like for me watching this, because we did get smart on on this podcast like a, a while ago, and that's from a similar time period, similar kind of movie. But this, for me, holds up in a way that Get Smart didn't even begin to a little bit. And I think trying for to like, sure. nail oh, yeah. down why that was, I think it, it, a lot of it comes from the humor of this movie and, and from the pacing in particular. Like, this movie knows that it's very smart and clever, but I don't think it feels like it needs to prove to you that it's smart and clever. It's just going to let its jokes happen. And then if you laugh, you laugh. And it felt very much like Get Smart's like, no, 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 you don't understand. We're being very smart right here. We're being very clever and funny. Yeah some movies from this point in time have the kind of built-in like pause for laughter Mm -hmm. that you can like feel in the the pacing of the scenes whereas this one it knows you're laughing and it just goes on to the next bit anyway exactly 
Yeah. yeah. And like the humor, it, I wouldn't like go so far as to say it's completely timeless, but it felt like even when it was making a joke with something that maybe hasn't aged perfectly, it's handling it in such a way where it does age perfectly fine. Like, yeah, there are a lot of fat jokes in Get Smart that I didn't think were even a little bit funny anymore and probably no, weren't funny at the, at the time. time. And no. the one fat joke in this movie is immediately rectified by showing that the character who is making the joke is being the fool. And exactly. Yeah, like yeah. It's, it's treated that... in such a way where like you understand where the humor is and it's never aging poorly in that regard. Yeah, I what I like about this, just from like uh, our, our more you know modern sensibilities, mm-hmm. like almost um, twenty years on from this movie, is no one is ever punched down on that yeah. I could catch. Yeah. Um, and I like that. Even like in the one case where Clouseau is like, Nicole, you have put on a ton of weight. It's he's the idiot. Mm-hmm. He's the dummy. Um, there's. There's a lot of stuff that is a lot more clever than any movie that I'm aware of from that point in time would have ever been. Like the the office gender politics joke. Like even today, like people need to learn this lesson. Um, <laughs> and there are even movies today that don't have the bit as distilled and as mm-hmm. just funny in its pure essence as that se- uh, sequence right there where someone is pretending like, oh, like, oh, yeah, no, of course, this is a very important thing. We have to be cognizant of this. And then just misses their own, like, moral anyway and just screws it up and objectifies someone and harasses yeah. them. It's it's so funny in how it's constructed, bringing it all back to Clouseau being the fool continuously and the jokes mm-hmm. are always at his expense. It's so well done in yeah. a way that... It, it's not the funniest movie ever. Uh, it's, I'm it's not claiming it though. is, but <laughs> compared to other movies of that style from mm-hmm. that time period, it's so much better than so many of the rest of them. Yeah. It, I just, really, it understands itself so much more. I really think this was a victim of marketing, which is how I feel about a lot of those weird mid-2000s yeah. movies that like didn't really have a clear target audience. Because in my mind growing up, I'm like, this is a kid's movie. This is for kids. But that's not mm-hmm. really true watching it back. And not in the like... Well, I know it's a cartoon animation made for kids, but I, an adult, enjoyed it. I'm like, no, no, no. I think the target audience for this very much is, like, teens to early 20s. Like, that feels like yeah. the sweet spot here. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's tough to market that uh, in an era where, like, PG-13 is often regarded as too old for you to get a younger audience in or, like, parents with their kids to go see this movies. But then, like... You know, you make a PG, you're not going to get an older audience coming to see it. And yeah. that was what I've mentioned Speed Racer a few times in this podcast, but I think Speed Racer yeah. fu- suffered from, and I think this suffered from as well, which is part of why it was not as beloved when it came out and kind of got a little maligned and critically flopped. Uh, because yeah. frankly, it's very funny and it's held up really well. <laughs> if you haven't been convinced yeah. to go watch it yet, I think you should, because it's definitely worth the entertainment value. Also, it it's an easy, so breezy well. hour and a half. You can watch this in like no time. It's so hard yeah. to find good comedy. <laughs> Yeah, so many movies are so long nowadays. What I like about this is that it um it really spans the the range of of humor from oh haha this guy's getting need in the balls mm-hmm. to like a very funny deconstruction of a flirting scene that is not intended for the same audience. There's a widespread and who mm-hmm. can enjoy the movie, but the upper bound is definitely much more than the, the PG audience they were maybe aiming this one yeah. towards in marketing. So, I know it's not yeah. how ratings work or even for the right thing, but like the best way to describe this movie to me is E for everyone. Like this is a movie that I would be like, oh, I think I could watch this with my dad and we would have a good laugh about this movie. Like yeah. this is this would appeal to my youngest cousin, myself, and my father, and I think all of us would enjoy different parts of different jokes and still have a good yeah. time with it. 
it's the hallmark of good comedy where it has different layers for different audiences. The same mm -hmm. reason that not quite the same way, but like SpongeBob, you know, children and adults can find it hilarious because the, the, the humor works on multiple levels. I think there's a lot of humor that works on multiple levels in this one that like compared to Get Smart, not quite as much. Mm -hmm. I think it's yeah. just age, generally aged better. If I was going to pick the like yeah. spy comedy of the early 2000s, I would go with the Pink Panther. Uh, my understanding is the sequel has not held up nearly as well. So, you know, maybe a future episode on that. I but... watched the sequel only once. I do not remember anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> but if you just want one movie, it's pretty good. I feel like we've kind of veered into final thoughts a little bit here. But like, yeah. Uh, would you recommend our audience watch this movie in what situation? I would posit this could be an excellent like group of friends night movie because you really don't I, need to like yeah, super hone in on it to get a lot of enjoyment. I, I think this is a great friends movie. I wouldn't say like, you know, get drunk and watch it. I think it does benefit from you like paying attention to it. It's <laughs> not like putting it on in the background kind of thing. But um, I I would recommend this as a, a, a group movie night or even if you want to watch it yourself, it's it's still fun. Mm -hmm. I watched this by myself uh, earlier in the week and it's, it's genuinely such a fun time. Uh, you know, you can knock it out in an evening. You don't need to plan your whole day around it or anything. It's just it's just a good movie. Yeah. It's just a nice, fun, good movie. It's just good, clean fun. <laughs> yeah, good, clean fun is a great way to describe it. Yeah, but uh, Blue, thank you so much for, for coming back on the show, uh, for humoring me. I think we came up with this episode when the strike was still happening. Uh, so thank you for waiting till our uh, end sure, of year yeah. episode to, uh, to come back around for it. But uh, if people want to hear more from you, where can they find you? Yeah, uh, well, first off, uh, you don't need to go far because there are other episodes with me and... Mm -hmm. uh, co-OSP uh, host Red uh, on this very podcast. Uh, we've done um, Batman together. Uh, I did Gladiator, uh, you and I, and then Red has a, a smattering of various yes. uh, terrible movies that she subjected you to. You do hold the title um, as the only guest who has ever come on the show and broken their own recording file <laughs> with Gladiator. Good. <laughs> good. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that I still have that title <laughs> uh, posting in the entire Maximus speech. But now you can find the uh, rest of our stuff at uh, Overly Sarcastic Productions on YouTube. And that's, uh, that's the main one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, I It's my understanding that there was a... Um, the Black Ziggy Diamond was recently heisted from my apartment. Oh, no. Uh, so I'm off to crack the case with the help of uh, whatever sidekick I can cook up. Perhaps we'll get Ziggy a little trench coat and hat. Uh, but Good. regardless, <laughs> I, I have to investigate. So uh, we're going to be taking a break for the holidays on the show. So we won't catch you guys till the new year. But I hope to continue talking movies with many, many people. Thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, yeah, catch you in 2024. With or without because justice Diamond. is justice. And because <laughs> and movie stock is movie stock. <laughs> ah, incredible. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Movie Struck. I'll be taking an extra week off on account of the holidays and the New Year, so the next episode will actually come out on January 8th, so keep an eye out for that one. I hope that you all have a lovely holiday. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast throughout the year. Uh, it's, it's always so, so wonderful to hear people say that they've enjoyed the show, to get to chat with all of these uh, amazing guests and watch variety of level of enjoyment movies <laughs> but regardless to talk about them is a, a blast so thank you so much for supporting the podcast uh if you want to ask us any questions you got any comments you got some concerns feel free to email the pod at moviestruckpod at gmail.com and if you want to engage with the community including over the break you can check out the moviestruck discord server for fun conversations with other fans 
And if you really enjoyed the show, uh, please consider becoming a patron for even more exclusive content like patron-selected film reviews. And I want to give a special thank you to the patrons who joined us last month. A special shout out to Avery, Ozomi, Morgana German, and Ken M. It's because of you guys and everyone over on Patreon that I'm able to keep the pod going. And, uh, and that's why I'm able to take some time off at the end of the year to give Ziggy her special Christmas gift, which is totally not the Pink Panther Diamond.